welcome to the Dynamic Duo Pod. Maybe I should, maybe I should change the name to that. Dynamic Duo. Uh, Rem and Sam back at it again. You know, crazy schedules, but you know we had to come back for week one NFL. I mean, it's it's the NFL. It, it, we've been there's been so much hype for it. There were so many good games this week. Um, I remember listening to podcasts where they're like, "Yeah, we would offer you betting advice, but all the games are kind of close." But obviously, they weren't, and that's what we're here to react to. How you doing, Ram? And you know the. The NFL is going to make us be consistent again. We're going to have to get here every week. We're going to have to be talking about the storylines. But the NFL, you can't take any time off. It changes week to week so quick. It's crazy. It's too popular. We're we're just going to have to be here for the NFL season. Going to have to, man. And I mean, of course, we're both invested. Like the NBA, I don't have a team. And Rem's team isn't doing so well. But like both of our teams are in NFL have like a little hope. I mean, we'll get into the Colts a little bit later. Um, but you know, we're, we're at least, you know, doing decent. So we're both invested really tough, but Rem's got some fiery, hot overreactions, right? Do we just want to get right into it? Might as well. uh, it's overreaction Monday, first week time to get crazy. If there's a week we're ever going to over overreact to, it's definitely going to be week one. Cause that's all we have to go on that. And, you know, a couple of preseason games. And uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't, don't, don't know if you guys are ready for this first one. This first first one's gonna be kind of spicy, but oh, let's if you just it. want, if you just want to get into it, it's we should start with the Packers. Here's my overreaction for the Packers. Okay. I think Jordan Love will be quarterbacking the Packers before Justin Fields is quarterbacking the Bears. Whoa! Wow, that was a good one. Wow, I'm stunned. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. I think there's three. There's three doors basically for this to happening. The first one is pretty unlikely, but that would just be Rodgers getting straight up bench for Jordan Love. The second one is Rodgers just gives up halfway through the season and finally gets the Jeopardy job. Maybe he doesn't host the full Jeopardy right away, but maybe there's like some like offshoot, like celebrity Jeopardy, sports Jeopardy thing that he takes over and then week eight thing or by Thanksgiving, we don't even on the field anymore. He's just on NBC at five o'clock hosting game shows. And the third would be that they trade him. And uh, if you just want to lay out the case for them to get rid of Aaron, it's kind of a wild case to do, but uh, I don't think, especially of all the good quarterbacks in the league right now, if you're thinking like Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, uh, maybe Kyler Murray, we'll probably talk about him in a little bit. Just guys that are in like upper end of, of uh, the quarterback tier, there's really no none of them that have been more disconnected from how they feel about their team and their team success for what they really want. And it's no surprise that if you spend the whole off season, you know, requesting a trade, trying to campaign to host game shows, you know, how much football do we even see Aaron Rodgers play this off season? Like there was really nothing about him ever being on the field, building chemistry with guys, and the questions around the Packers already, they already have a lot of question marks. So, you know, like where, where is this guy's motivation? Like why would the other guys on the team even be motivated to play for this guy? He doesn't want to be there. He hasn't want to be there since the, the end of the McCarthy era, which is understandable. But even when they made changes, brought in LaFleur, like there's talent on that roster. They've been there close, really close to the Super Bowl a couple times. And really probably one of the main reasons they haven't got there is Aaron Rodgers himself. 
So there's really, I don't want to say there's no reason for him to be upset with the situation, but there's less than he's given off. And just this kind of disconnect between him and the team and the success, maybe it's just time to move on. Maybe it's just time to bring Jordan Love in, get Aaron Rodgers out of there, and just start a whole new era in Green Bay. That's overreaction number one. Wow, that was firing hot straight out. That was Cleveland Browns out of the gates hot. Wow. Yeah, no, that um, I mean, one of those things already happened. I mean, Rodgers already got benched for um, love with 10 minutes left in the game almost. So, you know, it, it's already not that not that crazy of a possibility. Um, this was easily, easily the worst loss in the LaFleur era. I'm, I didn't have time to go back to the McCarthy era. And, you know, I, I haven't given everyone keeps hating on McCarthy. That was a long stretch. You know, stuff happens. But in the last, you know, last two years, I really like LaFleur. I've liked what he's done there. You know, 13 and three, the last two seasons, I keep bringing it up. And I was like, let me just take a look. That's only eight losses in the last two and a one week seasons. So, you know, let's take a look at some of those losses. So there was in 2019 Super Bowl season for the 49ers. They lost to them during the season. That was a 17 point game. And then they got blown out. Now, this is their second worst loss in the NFC Championship. But that, again, was only like 31 points. 49ers were rolling. They had, I mean, that was the game where, you know, Garoppolo only needed to make eight passes. You know, he was on fire that game. Or the whole team was on fire. And he was, he, I mean, he was hitting those eight passes, I guess. Um, there's a weird, you know, uh, I can't remember what week this was against the Chargers during uh, also that regular season. There was a one-score game against the Eagles at the, on the road, you know, or that was also week one where they um, – or early in the season where they took that loss. And then there was also last season against the Buccaneers um, where they lost to them in the NFC Championship. I mean, we know what happened with that game, but the, at least the Packers had chances that game. You know, the Buccaneers, which we'll get into, uh, again, similar like this week, had a whole bunch of turnovers and yet somehow found a way to win because uh, of Brady. But still, they had a whole bunch of turnovers. Um, Vikings during the season, also another one score loss on the road. You know, stuff happens in November. I mean, it's middle of the season. You can't be perfect. And then one of the, another one, Colts beat the Packers in overtime last year. You know, three point game. I remember. I think I remember There's that. There's no week. explanation. You're trying to hype up your team. What are you guys say? Where's Aaron? There is no explanation for why that happened. That was like a Philip Rivers led comeback. It was the weirdest game of the season. I almost. I remember after that game, almost buying into Philip Rivers, being like, he just made that comeback. Like, is Philip Rivers good? Oh my god. Was it? Did we make the right move getting him? And then, as it turned out, you know, no, wild card no. lots, as you would expect, but. Exactly. But um, so, yeah, you look at the games, the worst loss was probably before this game was probably that NFC championship against what should have been the Super Bowl champions. I mean, I love my Chiefs, but they're one Garoppolo pass away from losing that one. So and this game, let's compare the two teams. The Saints don't have Michael Thomas starting first game with Jameis Winston. Um. Guess how many the the Rodgers had more pass attempts or made more passes than Jameis Winston? Like let let's let that sink in. Rodgers had 15 makes, Winston had 14. 
Rodgers finished with two interceptions. Winston finished with five touchdowns. Now, I know Winston was helped by Kamara, things like that. But that, that, that just can't happen. You just, like, how? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Rodgers had 133 yards. Winston had 148. I mean, it was, that game, it was, it was just ridiculous. It was horrible. Um, I mean, out of the second half, Rodgers did look like, uh, they did look like they were starting to come on, starting to bring it together, start put things together. Rodgers was hitting passes, you know, um, out of the locker room. And then he had two picks in the first two drives of the second half. And that was the game. I mean, this was, I mean, it was the worst loss statistically. I mean, I test every way, which way you could look at it in the LaFleur era. And I, there's just, there's just no, no words. I mean, there were one in 10 on third down. Um, you know, it was, I mean, even early, the Saints could tell that they had this game in the bag. I mean, second quarter, it was like fourth and seven. And, they went for it, you know, and it would, they were on their own. I think, I think they were on their own, uh, 35 between 30 and 40, not their own, but on the Packers between 30 and 40 yard line. And they could have gotten an easy three and they knew they already had the Packers. I mean, even the saints could tell early in this game, um, Kamara of course had a great game. Um, I mean, it's not like the, uh, saints had anyone special on offense though. I mean, it was, it, just Winston, you know, they were able to run the ball and then they got right close to the goal line and Winston made his passes. So, I mean, the Saints executed the Garrett game plan. And I mean, this was just easily, easily the worst loss by the Packers in a long time. It's funny that you say that you like the LaFleur era because I've actually had a lot of question marks about it just with the way the offense runs, they've, you know, they've done the same two, they've done the same thing two years in a row. It hasn't worked either year. I mean, they've had success. They've gone to the NFC championship game. You know, they've had good records and stuff, but good defenses always figure out how to play against it. They never really beat good teams. They get killed in playoff games. Like you said, they got killed against 49ers. They got killed against Tampa. They come out after an off season full of instability and just question marks and, is the quarterback even going to be here? Who's starting? Like, there's chaos throughout the offseason going on with this team. It's no surprise that, I mean, they would come out flat. And you, luckily for them, their division's bad enough. Though, you know, they'll still probably be a playoff team. I say probably. They'll definitely be a playoff team. They're still the best team in the division. Still a super talented roster. But it were just... If we're doing our overreactions, whatever they just did against the Saints was like their overreaction to how, you know, crazy the offseason was. So, yeah, the result is weird. The worst loss ever. You know, they'll probably rebound and be a good team. But it's just going to show you that uh, if under the Matt LaFleur era, like this team is just not going to change. They're going to continue to do the same things. Rodgers is still going to have the same question marks, not necessarily about talent, but just about, you know, Big game leadership, you know, getting guys to rally around. I just it seemed coming in off season, we had more stories about Mac Jones being a better leader than we had about Aaron Rodgers. And uh, if you have one of like the four, three or four best quarterbacks in the league, is that really the position you want to be in as a franchise? It doesn't seem like it, especially if you're trying to compete for Super Bowls. So I'm not. I'm not worried about the Packers being a success this season, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. If they were, you know, 13 and four again and in the NFC championship game 
Would I be surprised? No, because that's what they've done the last couple of years. But this team's probably not going to win the Super Bowl. And it's just uh, um, it's the symptom of what's been going on the last couple of years there. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you that, I mean, the Packers haven't really been tested by too many great teams. I mean, they haven't had a ridiculous schedule. Their last two seasons, you know, they've had easy schedules, but I always liked how they were able to handle business, you know, and even if, you know, against big, good teams, you know, they struggle. I mean, you still got to give credit to where it's due, you know, going, making it to the NFC championships really hard, you know, getting to that point. Um, but no, that, I mean, I honestly, this was, I mean, I was, I was just shocked how bad it was. You know, and um, at the same time, when you start looking at, like you mentioned, the offseason, you know, not spending time with the guys, um, you know, being in that locker room, you know, being on vacation and all that and being an off field distraction. I mean, I know it sounds like an old guy football thing, but it's it's legit, you know, and that that score shows it. Um, so um, ready to move into your second. No. Career. Yeah. Who on this? Like, oh, what was it? Oh, I just was saying, like, who on this team would be motivated to even play for Rodgers after just all the stuff that they went through in the offseason? Like, is Aaron Jones excited about him as a quarterback? Yeah, I guess because he's Aaron Rodgers and he's super talented. But is he the guy that you want as the leader of your team, the focal point of your team? I don't know if he's shown that the last couple of years. And I mean, at some point, the train is going to go off the rails. I'm not saying it's going to be this season, but... If it was three three seasons in, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be 40 years old next season. Like, it's going to happen at some point. So maybe not this season, but if the cracks in the foundation are being laid now, I definitely wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we'll see. The Vikings, I mean, yeah, they lost, but I still really like their offense. The Bears, once they start fields there, the Lions actually look kind of good. I mean, their division might be getting better, and it may go off the rails this year, especially as we see some more games, bigger sample size. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, so what's the second fiery hot reaction? Steelers are the second best team in the AFC. Oh, my goodness. What? <laughs> Well, make the case, if I guess. If we're just looking at rosters and we're going top to bottom, like defensively, I don't know. I was really impressed with their defense. It's not – I wouldn't even – it might not even be the best defense in the in the conference. Like the Browns still have a lot of players I like. You know, there are other, there are other units out there that are still – the Broncos defense is another one. But just like the physicality that they bring, the pass mm-hmm. rush is going to be there, especially especially with TJ Watt back, and they've got his contract situation figured out, so he's locked into place. But I was really impressed with the way their secondary and like their linebackers and stuff, just how physical they were. They were always on the receivers for the Bills. It seemed like every time That's even true. Allen got a pass to him, that was a good pass. They were in there. They were knocking it out of their hands. They had a lot of swagger. I mean, they've got a lot of good pieces. Minka Fitzpatrick is back there. They've been struggling at cornerback. And I don't think their defense is going to shut anybody down, but they're definitely going to be physical. They're going to make life different. They're, they're going to make life difficult for the other offenses. And if you look at their offense, it just seems like they have too many skill guys to be bad on offense with the way they use, especially with the way they use their receivers, because they can it seems like Rosberg can just throw any pass. It's a jump ball. One of their guys are going to come down with it. I mean, 
we all saw Deontay Johnson have that, uh, that crazy catch in the back of the end zone. Claypool had another insane catch. Mm-hmm. And these guys are so such like freak athletes that they're even just like, you know, running the jet sweeps, the shuffle passes, like the screen passes, and these guys are turning it into big plays. Najee Harris is going to be good for him this season. Even though he didn't have a great game, I still like that guy. I still think he's going to be good for him. So as long as Roethlisberger's like average, the skill guys on this team are going to make this offense good enough, and the physicality of the defense is going to make the other offenses struggle a lot. And we just saw him. We thought the Bills were the, maybe the best team in the AFC going into the season. They really kind of took him out. And um, I wouldn't even say Buffalo played a bad game. I mean, Josh Allen missed some deep passes, that's for sure. But mm-hmm. a lot of that was due to what the Steelers' defense was doing. And uh, I, Cleveland, you know, they had a good game against uh, Kansas City, but they didn't win. So the overreaction is not going to come from a loss. But <laughs> that's the that would be my AFC. That's my number one AFC overreaction would be the Steelers' second-best team in the AFC. Um, I mean – as I kind of am leaning towards, I feel like the Browns, I kind of trust the Browns, especially like they were, they were one or two dumb mistakes away from winning that game. And I mean, we'll go into that further later on. Um, so I, I kind of have the Browns second right now. I mean, the Ravens still have to play their game. Um, the main reason why I don't trust the Steelers is big Ben there early in that game. There were too many, there were, I think a couple plays where the passes, I just felt were like too off, you know, uh, you know, from looking at it, um, I feel like, like you mentioned, jump balls, things like that. I think that's because I, I, I don't trust Big Ben's accuracy as much. Um, I mean, Claypool, he, he got pushed around early and he definitely bounced back. And again, I think this, uh, this game came down to that block punt for a touchdown. I mean, I think that it was a one score game and I think that made the difference. And I really, I, I actually trust that. I really like the Bills. Um, the way Josh Allen scrambling, um, I definitely like that they have designed runs for him because he's just a tough guy to bring down. And I mean, he honestly scares me when we play him as a runner. Um, Allen, I mean, the Bills had four receivers with 40 plus yards. You know, there are two fourth downs that they missed. So they didn't execute as they should have. You know, but I, I really think that block punt, you know, while there was time afterwards, I think that really made the biggest difference in this game because I think the teams, I think they're right, they're right neck to neck in this game. I think the Bills, I, I like the Bills ceiling. Um, Josh Allen did miss some throws, but, you know, I, he's only going to get better. That defense, I think, is starting to mesh. And both, like you mentioned, the front seven of the Steelers was good. I think that front four of the Bills, kept putting pressure on big men though. Like he still had to make some plays. He still had to run around. And um, I, I just think that the Steelers, they already know each other, you know, they were, so their chemistry and how well they work together, especially with last year, I think is the main reason why they were able to keep up with the talented bills. But I think the bills are going to continue to improve throughout the year. Um, and they'll, they'll continue, especially that defense, I think will come together. Um, and I, I think the Bills, I, I already think the Bills are the better team, and I think they just, you know, they had a fluke game, you know, the block punt. I mean, it, it was pretty, it was a seven-point game, so that was the difference. That was the difference to me, and so, yeah, that, that's why I still think the Browns are the second-best team. I mean, you're right. Big, Penn, Big Ben's definitely going to, like, catapult this, this take because, for one, the Steelers are a classic September team, like, let's be honest, they're probably going to start off like five or six and oh, and then somehow miss the playoffs. 
I mean, what were they last year? Weren't they like 12 and 0 at one point? Yeah, no, they had that huge undefeated run and then they choked. Yeah. They were going to be an undefeated team and then they lost like the last five games and then we're out in the first round of the playoffs. So, I mean, if the Steelers have a hot start and beat some good teams, it's not going to surprise anybody. You know, is Big Ben going to be able to physically withstand a full season? I don't know. He had a running play where he took off in the pocket, was like running down the field and then tried to slide and basically just fell over. Oh, yeah. And just looked like an old man like falling down a flight of stairs a little concerned if i saw that if i was a steelers fan to be honest with you but Honestly. as long as long as he can maintain being average i do kind of like this team especially with how talented their skill guys are but that's I, that's honestly the question at this point is big men can he put up an average production for the whole season maybe for your fantasy team but you know real life who knows yeah no who knows i think the bills would have won this game if it went into overtime um, I mean, I like Claypool and Juju, but like they both feel like number two wide receivers to me right now. Um, uh, hopefully they will develop um, a little bit more, but I think both of them, they don't have necessarily breakaway speed. And I think Big Ben really wants, he works best when he has a really fast wide receiver who can stretch the field and he can just, you know, launch it, and, you know, stand, sit back in the pocket and just launch it. But, you know, both of those guys, that's not their game. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, they did I go like don't. four deep at receiver though, where they're just, I mean, they do have a bunch of like number two receivers, but they got like four of them. They got Juju, yeah. Claypool, Deontay Johnson, even James Washington's James Washington, good. Yeah. You got a running back first round running back, Najee Harris. Like you have five pretty talented skill guys plus Ebron there as well. So there's just like, it's more like quantity over quality at this point. And they are talented enough that, you know, if you use them in creative ways, it mm-hmm. benefits your offense. And uh, I thought they used them well. I thought they were starting plays behind the line of scrimmage and letting them run. That was the thing that uh, the, just like the running ability of all of them, where they almost all look like running backs when they get in the open field, the way they can cut and read blocks and stuff. You know, Big Ben's, you're not forcing him to throw down the field as much. He can get away with screen passes and jet sweeps and those little shuffles that people do. So as long as you're doing these things to kind of limit the amount of stuff that Big Ben has to do, like, I think that works. Well, and I think if you, if Najee Harris can continue to develop and they do more of a play action kind of style of offense, you know, try to do more, you know, run pass options, things like that. I think then Big Ben could be, you know, some of his accuracy problems could be hidden because, you know, then you have more, more open players, you know, get, get some separation. So um, hopefully Najee Harris continues to develop because he does look like a good running back and um, he did have a good first week. So we'll have to see where that, where he's headed. Um, Plus I have a division winners parlay that I need to hit and it involves Cleveland winning their division. So I'm a little nervous that Pittsburgh is going to sweep in and, and steal the division from them. Uh, All right. Uh, Well, I, I don't think you have to be worried about it. It's just, you know, the Chiefs are too good. But anywho, uh, what's your next uh, overreaction? Kyler Murray is going to win the MVP. All right. That one. Okay, that one probably is not going to hit as hard as I thought it would. That's honest. But that honestly says, like, Kyler Murray is pretty good and maybe already on the MVP level mm-hmm. in, like, maybe a sneaky but also, like, not so sneaky way. Because... Some of the throws he made in that game were just just insane. I would say, honestly, yeah. like 
probably he's probably second in the league right now and just in terms of the types of throws he can make mm-hmm. with all the throws on the runs and the back pedal and arm angles and stuff. I mean, you got Mahomes is obviously one, but is there anybody else right now that's better than Kyler Murray is just in terms of the the throwing package like if you could you can buy like the finishing layup packages in 2K if you could do that in Madden for quarterbacks like uh-huh. Kyler Murray's would probably be the second best one you could get cuz i mean what did he have that throw in the there was like a third down in the second quarter where it was almost like a step back throw he was just completely uh-huh. running backwards flipped it hit the guy in stride he had two of he them. had that throw to Hopkins in the back of the end zone where he's on the run throws it back across his body yeah exactly yeah two of them yeah. So I think the stats are going to definitely be there for him. I think the play style and the highlights, I think if just narrative wise, a new guy coming in, you know, that's going to benefit him and MVP as well. But the Cardinals also have a chance to be like really, really good this year. They were probably just from watching, just from watching purely week one, only week one, only probably the second best team in their division behind the Rams. I thought they played better, better than Seattle in their opening game. Yeah. So, uh, like if the Cardinals are going to be a good playoff team and uh, you know, that's an upgrade from not making the playoffs last year. They make the leap into the playoffs. Kyler Murray makes a leap as a quarterback with his numbers. Like there's a shot. He's going to be there for the award. Maybe. I mean, I do think there is a little bit of, you know, nobody believes in us because a lot of analysts, you know, I was uh, listening to a whole bunch of stuff before the season. A lot of people kind of counted out the Cardinals. They're kind of like, oh, top three, you know, who will make the playoffs? You know, Rams for the Super Bowl. You know, Seahawks have Wilson and everyone's healthy in San Francisco. So who knows? But I think the Cardinals, honestly, like I think Kyler Murray, you know, we haven't watched. um, We haven't watched Lamar yet. You know, he's still to play later today, which we have some news on that. But Kyler Murray, I think, honestly, might be. One, you know, might really push Lamar this season for the best running quarterback. Cause I mean, the way his acceleration, there was a play. Oh, with, it's, with he's his, so shifty. Yeah. With this rushing touchdown where he hit the, he got the ball, hit the corner, and he literally knew he had it. And it was like eight yards out. And there are guys like right there. And he knew he had the corner on them. I mean, that game he was cooking. But then again, it could be a one game aberration that also. Um, I mean, he had a crazy third down and 10 play where, you know, he was dodging guys, somehow made the pass. You know, Chandler Jones, Hall of Famer, I guess now. I mean, five sacks, three in the first quarter, two of them were strip sacks. You know, they created a whole bunch of turnovers. And, you know, so both sides of the ball were playing out of their minds. Um, So, you know, I, I do think Kyler Wilk, your MVP case is real legit. I mean, he's got AJ Green now and Diop, so he'll continue to get his stats up. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to continue to dominate teams like this, but um, we'll have to see if he can. The main thing with him is he did have MVP buzz last year. It's just he got hurt. He got a little injured, banged up. He couldn't run as fast, you know, couldn't have as much speed. And now another year of, you know, developing. And hopefully, you know, as long as Cliff doesn't get in his way, I mean, that first drive was ridiculous. They had like five penalties and then they had a second and goal on their own on the 24. And I was like, what is going on? They had like two timeouts in the first drive. So as long as Cliff doesn't get in the way of Kyler and he stays healthy, I honestly do think he could be a legit MVP candidate because, I mean, their run game is okay. Chase Edwards isn't a bad running back, but 
you know, he's, I mean, he's getting, he's definitely carrying the team right now, especially running for his life all over the field. All like the anti-Cardinal stuff this offseason was, yeah, we didn't see him perform as well in the second half of the season. Was that Kyler Murray's injury or not? Like, we'll have to see. Cliff Kingsbury still their coach. A lot of people are out on Cliff Kingsbury. I'm out. And their division was just, their division was just too good. Like San Francisco, I said they were the second best. I, you know, San Francisco probably making a case as well for second best team in that division. I would just trust Murray. Maybe, but I mean, you know, we've, it's not like we've never seen a team, you know, throw a haymaker in the second half of a comeback attempt and, you know, it gets somewhat close. Like, were the Lions actually going to win that game? I don't know. It was, it was a 14-point game. They were up by, like, two, three scores, and they had one play to tie it up to go to overtime. Like That, that was just ridiculous. Maybe. I think they got probably a little lazy. I, would, I wouldn't be as worried about it if I was a 49ers fan. But, I mean, if Kyler is – there was just no talk about, hey, what if Kyler is the best quarterback in the division and – you know, everybody in the Cardinals has seemed to gotten better. You mentioned Chandler Jones, but also they bring in J.J. Watt. So now you have more threats on the defensive line. I think Chandler Jones has been one of the most underrated pass rushers in the league the last several years. Him and like Cam Collins. Jordan as well. Like those guys who are like on the outside looking in at being the best, but they're still like, you know, up in the top tier of pass rushers. So if you bring in J.J. Watt, you know, is Simmons going to get better at linebacker? Buda Baker's the highest paid, one of the highest paid safeties in the league. Uh, Christian Kirk, you mentioned AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins. Like Christian Kirk looked really good in that game as well, which is he had that one over the shoulder touchdown catch where he had to look back the whole time. That was great. Try that to was just to find really it. Catch. And uh, he almost like caught it on top of the defender too, which was just, I always thought Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk was like a gadget guy the way he used him, but he looked like a legitimate receiver can go up and get balls one-on-one now. And if Kyler's going to like take a leap from where we saw him in the first half of last season before he got injured to, you know, up as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, like, is that impossible? No, that's absolutely not impossible. And if all these other pieces in the Cardinals are getting better as well, like that's a, I don't know. That's a, I don't know where they would rank in the NFC yet just because they're, they're new to the picture, but would it be crazy to say? Cause I think they would have to win the division for Kyler Murray to win the MVP. Yeah, no, they would. I mean, I think he, if he got a close second, you know, of one of the other NFC teams, you know, they tied or something like that. I think it could be, they might be able to, but they, yeah, they definitely have to probably get more than 10 wins. Um, and like you mentioned, that defense is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, they also have Xavier Collins. Um, I mean, Robert Alford is a solid center cornerback, but yeah, no, the, the, I mean, with this team, if they really can come together, they could probably push for, you know, one of those top spots and in the NFC. And I could definitely see them, um, Murray definitely getting the MVP because definitely from this first, you know, week, there wasn't besides him there wasn't really one player like one quarterback who really stood out um i mean i mean besides your besides mahomes besides mahomes you know but you know i feel like there's voter fatigue with mahomes you know all the years mahomes Mahomes. and it's kind of like that you know the Giannis thing where you know we want we want something new you know people want want a new story 
And, um, I mean, really looking at it, there weren't any other quarterbacks who played great. I mean, Jameis Winston, I guess. But, you know, that doesn't feel legit. Um, on the other side of the ball, should we start ringing the alarm bells about the Titans? I don't know. That was it's, my next overreaction. Oh, 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 all right. All right, let's hear it. I think Arthur Smith was the biggest, like, coaching loss of the offseason of all the guys that went and got hired and you know all the coordinators that left for new jobs arthur smith i think was the most important one if you just look at their offense the last two seasons under him i mean derrick henry was a monster led the league in rushing both seasons and that's after you know three full seasons of not being like a super productive running back like he hit a thousand yards once in those three seasons the other two he was at like 400 yards and 700 yards like it wasn't a great career for Derrick Henry. They bring in Arthur Smith, leads the league in rushing yards, leads the league in rushing touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill gets in there, rejuvenates his career from where he was under Adam Gase, becomes one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, it's not like they were ever a Super Bowl contending team, but they definitely had a lot of really solid pieces there mm-hmm. and were kind of on the outside looking in, it was like, hey, if we make like one or two moves, like we'll be right there, especially with how our good our offense looks. And it's just going to be interesting to see how much of that's going to be attributed to uh, that offensive coordinator and him not being there. That being said, I mean, the Titans were one of, you know, had one of the roughest off seasons of just Tannehill was on the injury list every week, AJ Brown and Julio Jones, like those guys never practiced together. Uh, there's probably not a lot of chemistry there right now. And uh, Derek Henry didn't look good week one. We'll see if that continues, but who knows if our, maybe Arthur Smith was just the key to unlocking this. Maybe these guys played well in his system and it was perfect for, if you just think of like all the, the physicality on that offense, AJ Brown, a receiver, Julio Jones, big receivers, yards after the catch, big physical run game, mm-hmm. that type of stuff in Arthur Smith's offense worked perfectly and to him not be there anymore you know are the, are the texans gonna win the division they look like the oh best team God. in the, the afc south now but you know maybe there is an opening like i didn't think the colts would win even have a shot at winning the divisions i just thought the talent on the titans roster was going to be way too much but if this offense is going to take a step back maybe there isn't a chance there for it would probably have to be the colts because i don't see the two other teams doing it but the division you know like the door is peeking open a little bit. It's peeking open. Yeah, there's hope. There's hope for y'all. Um, <laughs> oh, let's go. <laughs> but uh, with the Titans, I think it's similar to the team that Arthur Smith went to, the Falcons, where they lost Shanahan and everything went downhill. I mean, but still, like both situations, you know, it wasn't just the coordinator, you know, like you mentioned, you know, team chemistry, team, um, you know, players being sick along those lines. Um, I mean, this game was rough, obviously, for the Titans. Uh, Tannehill, you know, he had those two fumbles, but he also threw a pick. Henry only had 58 yards. I mean, he really was getting stopped. I didn't even would I don't even I couldn't even tell that Julio was in the game. Um, it just felt like they couldn't get anything going. It was rough. And we all knew the Titans defense was gonna be bad. I think that was the main rap that people had on the main um book that people wrote on Titans this past um that they were thinking were gonna be for this season is you know, bad, horrible defense, but top five offense. And if they outscore everyone, they'll be fine. And uh, they didn't have, they couldn't ask, they couldn't score, barely could score. And their defense was still bad. So it's, it's definitely, they definitely need to figure out 
what's going on with Henry and all that. And yeah, it, it needs to get good fast. Cause I think, I think your division while, you know, may not have too much top end talent. I do think it can be competitive. You know, maybe the Jaguars figure stuff out. I, I didn't watch too much of them. Um, I still believe in Wentz. We can get into that a little bit more. I still think there's hope for y'all. And um, the Jags, Texans, and yeah, Colts. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think it might be a little competitive. You know, they can't be. It's not like there's bottom. There's not like there's horrible teams. So, um We'll have to we'll have to see because it was it was rough. It was not looking good that first first game. And maybe it goes back to what we were saying about the Cardinals earlier. Maybe like in week eight, we're just looking at this game going, yeah, Arizona's one of the best teams in the league. The Titans had a rough offseason. It was their first game. So, you know, no surprise they got killed. But it just seemed like there was something about his system and the types of players that they had. That it just seemed to work perfectly, especially on off, especially on offense. I mean, you just said, like you see him go back to Ryan Tannehill. They don't have, you know, the physical receivers. Like they have Calvin Ridley, who's a great route runner. You know, Russell Gage is there. Like they've got some shifty, speedy guys. Uh, not quite the physical physicality at running back with Mike Davis. And it just it didn't look as good in Atlanta. So there was just something about those two things that came together and worked really good in Tennessee. And now they're both separate. So, I mean, we're going to have to see if Tennessee can get this figured out, but it was by far the Tannehill, the, to me, the worst Tannehill's looked in his two years there. Like he was indecisive. He didn't really know where to go with the football. Didn't know, you know, was holding the ball way too long. Just, he just looked off the entire game. And that could be from just him not being in there in the off season, knowing the playbook, you know, knowing where guys are going to be, but I mean, we'll see the only, the only history of success that a lot of these guys have is under Arthur Smith. And outside of that, they have careers that tell us that, you know, they haven't been that great. So that, that would be a long way to come, especially for where we are with Derrick Henry, with him being the best running back in the league to all of a sudden say that, Hey, maybe Derrick Henry was just a two year f- system running back. You know, it talks about system yeah. quarterbacks. Maybe he's a system running back, but I mean, we'll have to see. I'm going to try to talk myself into it because that means the Colts can be in the playoffs. But Yeah, no, it doesn't seem like a lot of people have any faith for the new offensive coordinator. Um, definitely doesn't. Um, and, I mean, he has t- a tough act to follow. But um, what's your next fi- hot, fiery take? Or are we reaching the end of the list? I got one more left. We oh, can all right. hit this last one real quick. But I think I trust Jalen Hurts more than Tua. All right. Oh, all right. All right. That's, that's tough. If we want to just transition right into that Falcons game. But Tua, mm-hmm. I watched him in the uh, the preseason game against the Bears, and it scared me because he, he didn't look bad, but he looked the exact same he did last regular season. Exactly. Maybe they're going to try to do a little more with him, but I don't know. He's just – he seems all of a sudden, for whatever happened between NFL and college, he's become like – a one read quarterback and this is coming off a win. So like not to downplay their win, but just thinking big picture, you know, they took him fifth overall in the first round. He was one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen coming out of college. You know, he's the guy that's going to turn the franchise around and uh, he's just, I don't know that excitement that he had in college is just has not carried over to the NFL. There's just like a, I don't want to say blandness because that hurts me to say, because I'm such a big Tua guy, but 
there is just kind of a blandness to his game where he wants to get the ball out quick. He doesn't want to sit back in the pocket and make reads. And if he has to start improvising, he's spinning around. He's taking his eyes off the field, like downfield. He gets confused. He's taken sacks 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage. It just, I don't know. He just doesn't seem confident playing quarterback. And some of the stuff Jalen Hurts was doing in the Falcons game, like his numbers were good. He probably had a better fantasy week than he did like a real quarterback week. But there were some pieces there where it was like he was, you know, reading pressure, rolling out, keeping his eyes down the field, finding guys wide open. They were getting away with a lot of easy stuff on offense, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of short passes. But, you know, he was taking advantage of it. He kept going to it. And he was really doing what worked, and he just seemed more comfortable with his play style than Tua did with his. And again, we're thinking big picture, long term. Nobody was having the "Is Jalen Hurts going to take a leap this off season?" I, I think there was more question marks than there was confidence around Jalen Hurts. And Tua was the guy that everybody looked at. And you know, is he going to make the jump this year? His second year, full off season as the starting quarterback, get him in the system, see what he does. Um. It just, it didn't seem, there just seemed to be a lack of improvement from him everywhere. And I thought Jalen Hurts was a much better quarterback than we saw of him last year. And if I'm just thinking about quarterbacks I want on my team, I want the guy that's going to get better from year to year. And from one game overreacting, it seemed like this offseason, Jalen Hurts was the quarterback that got better. Yeah, no, I I think the word blandness perfectly describes to a in the NFL because I I can't remember the last time I saw him throw a pass over twenty yards. I mean, it just feels like he's gotten talent, he's gotten guys down there, and he doesn't he doesn't take time in the pocket. You know, he doesn't it doesn't feel like he waits often. I've liked Jalen I liked Jalen Hurts a lot last year. I liked what I saw. I didn't look at that. Um, I didn't get to look at the Eagles game, but I definitely do think that Hurts. Um, is I think he's he's the exact opposite. I think Hertz in college was you know he looked like a more bland quarterback. He looked like that's why he got benched for Tua. You know he was the easy soft you know easy guy. And now in the NFL, he suddenly now can scramble. You know he can run around now. And Tua is the exact opposite. So I don't know if someone switched you know their brains out here or switched something. But I think they've they've been um playing the exact opposite. And I think the Eagles offense, I think it's just, it feels more raw. You know, there are days there, you know, it doesn't go as well, but I think their ceiling is a lot higher. I mean, Jalen Rieger, I really like, um, I think he's, he was good last year. Um, I think Travis Fulgham, you know, people may hate on him, but I do think he can be a big play, another big play wide receiver. And I think that that offense, you know, is fun to watch, you know, Miles Sanders, a good running back. And we'll have to see how Jalen Hurts continues to develop. But um, I, I might even have a more hope in Mac Jones than um, Tua because, I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, he looked – Mac Jones looked good this uh, first game, you know, as an overreaction, you know, Monday. But I definitely think Jones is uh, – he's a quicker decision-maker. He got the ball out faster, and I think he's more accurate. So he know he does – he knows his role in terms of – He's done this a lot longer in terms of the quick pass that Tua tries to do, but because he's done it for longer, he does it faster, moves around in the pocket, kind of, you know, kind of using him like Brady. And obviously he lost the game, but you know, I, I kind of, I kind of like in that game, I like Jones better than what I was seeing from Tua. That's for sure. 
with work. No, you're right. There was, there was definitely something with the Patriots offense where they knew what Mac Jones could do. And they just went out there and they kept like, they didn't make him forced any plays. He didn't have to do anything he was uncomfortable with. And, you know, he, he made seem like he made solid reads like all day. It was, you know, it wasn't anything crazy, nothing super aggressive, which, you know, there was some under the table, Super Bowl buzz for the Patriots. And if that's going to keep up, like maybe he's going to need to step up and be a more aggressive quarterback. But if we're just Bill Simmons tomorrow, I may have been listening around a little bit, but (laughs) if they're, if they're going to be a team that's competing as a playoff team, like he's going to have to be more aggressive, but I don't think he'll have a problem doing that. You know, we saw him in Alabama. He had no problem doing it. Um, I think it'll just be him adjusting to uh, the speed of the NFL. You know, he's in the regular season. Now we're playing against starters. Let's get him comfortable. It's week one. Let's just make sure he's a comfortable quarterback. And that's what they did. And I mean, they got all the way down inside the, uh, was it inside the 10 before Damian Harris fumbled? Yeah. Like they were probably going to win that game and in the red zone. And uh, yeah, Tua just, I don't know. I honestly don't know what he's comfortable doing because it seems like he's either getting rid of the ball because he doesn't want to have it, or he's trying to make something out of nothing. And he has no idea how to do that either. So you're right. Yeah. I would be more confident in Mac Jones and uh, the Patriots system overall, but to a man, I just, it's such a bummer. Cause I loved him in college and I really wanted yeah. the Colts to get him. I was all in on that guy. Might've even been my favorite quarterback prospect over Burrow. I'm not going to say it publicly cause I don't want to get killed for Whoa, it. But, uh, all right. All right. Yeah. I was yeah. just all in on that guy. And he was one of the most exciting college quarterbacks that I had seen. And something about him being in the NFL, just the excitement's gone and they've given him waddle, you know? So now it's, you know, what, at what point can we stop making excuses for him? And uh, you know, they've got good receivers in there. The defense looks good. So the coaching system is also pretty good. So I just, they're run, there's going to come a point in the season where he's either going to have to get better. Or we're going to have to start looking at two and going, we might just have to stop making excuses for this guy. He's probably going to be an average quarterback at best. We'll see which one happens. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's definitely not going to improve, but I'm just saying week one, I did not see him get visibly better than he played last season. Yeah. And I mean, this is off of a win, you know, so he got the win at least, but um, with Tua, I think the thing is, is he's one of those quarterbacks. I think people thought coming in, he was going to be one of the quarterbacks that, you know, drop him in any situation and he's going to win, but I think he needs to be dropped. That's in what I thought that works for him and he'll win. So I, and I think with him, he needs, he needs wide receivers who can get separation. I think he needs fast guys who can get space. And I think Devonte Parker is not that, not that kind of wide receiver. He's a good wide receiver, you know, solid at most, but he's more of a get up there and catch it. Um, Waddle doesn't really get separation speed. And, you know, and I mean, I don't think he really has an excuse with tight end. Gusecki is one of my favorite underrated tight ends in the league. Um, but, you know, and he, they shouldn't really be excuses. He still should get it to them. But I think his best situation is getting, you know, speedsters who can stretch the field and he can just launch it. And I think the thing is, is that they're not he doesn't feel confident enough to throw it to them because maybe they don't have as much separation, things like that. But, you know. At some point, you know, something something's got to something's got to give because 
it's rough. I mean, there's a reason they have Gardner Minshew behind him. I think don't they have Gardner Minshew? Oh, they have a quarterback behind him. It may not be Minshew. They have Jacoby Brissett behind. Yeah, Brissett. Gardner Minshew's yeah, on yeah. point. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, even the team isn't a hundred percent on him. Obviously, by signing um, your old boy, so um, it's it's definitely it's definitely looking a little shaky there. Um, but um, you want to start with talking about your team or my team? We can start with your team. More people are going to want it. Your team is more relevant to the NFL conversation than my team is. So we can start with the Chiefs. All right. I mean, I, I had like five heart attacks this game. I was ready to burn the jersey. I thought I thought it was all over. Um, that the the Bar- Browns they this whole offseason were rewatching that tape. And actually, I think the reason why the Bills the, I was forgot to mention this. I think a little bit of the reason why the Bills lost this to the Steelers is I think they were looking over them because a lot of talk out of the Bills camp was, oh, we're ready for the Chiefs. We want to play the Chiefs. We want to beat the Chiefs. Chiefs, 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 Chiefs. And then they come and play the Steelers and they're like, yeah, we're better than this team. And I think they looked over them. They weren't ready, mentally prepared because they all their drafting has been to beat the Chiefs. That's all they've been saying since day one. So, you know, and it's nice to be other people be obsessed with us. But, you know, you got to play 31 other teams in the league. I think the Browns actually had that as an advantage because they lost last season. And so they're like first week one, we're playing the Chiefs. So in their head, that's I mean, we're living in their hand rent free. And you know, obviously kind of have to, to be this good. And they came out and punched us in the mouth. I, I can't even cap. They, they 15 to three early in the game. They went for that two point conversion. I mean, it was aggressive. I, you know, if I wasn't invested in the chiefs, I really liked what the Browns did looking back at it, you know, being able to distance myself from it. Chubb ran all over us. Mayfield looked really good. I mean, you know, he, in Joku, I mean, I thought that guy was out of the league, honestly. And and then I suddenly yeah, I didn't even know he was still on Cleveland, to be honest, because I know they brought in Austin Hooper. And I just thought I just assumed Njoku was gone. Yeah. And then I see his linebacker looking self, you know, out here almost almost taking out my guys. And then there was that Schwartz catch where Juan Thornhill is like 20 yards away from him. And if he catches that, that's an easy touchdown. You know, if he catches that standing up and then. You know, Mahomes showed up and we just stuck around. The main thing is, is Reed stayed conservative and he knows, you know, I think he's just seen enough games and, you know, he's done enough breakdowns where he's like, if I just took the field goals, I would have won this game. If I just kicked it, you know, and didn't go for it on that fourth and long, I would have won this game. And this game, he actually did it. He's like, we're taking field goals. We're not going for deep. We're going to, we're going to, and they won him the game. I mean, they won by... Uh, four, six points, four points, you know, two field goals to make that difference. And he didn't panic. He stayed in there. And, um, and I think the Browns made the classic mistake of once they made a turnover and then we scored, but they still had the lead similar to the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They panicked. They, they panicked. I mean, their first play they had um, 27 to uh, 29, where they were up 10 minutes left in the game. Instead of running it, which had been working all day, they threw, they had Mayfield throw. He had a sack. They didn't run. They instead threw it again, short pass. And then they did it, tried to do a deep pass to Joku. I think that was the one that was too short where he got pressured again. And then, yeah, we came down and scored. And then now it makes sense to panic because now you're down again. And they had chances, you know, they threw, I mean, Mayfield, 
had that interception. The main thing is, is it's, I mean, it's a clear playbook, but it's really hard to follow, um, to not panic. And the Browns panic and we didn't, and they didn't, they got away from what got them there. They just, if they had kept running the ball, especially that one drive where they were up by two with 10 minutes left, they should have just run it down our guts. And, you know, obviously I'm happy they didn't, you know, I'm happy they panicked, but you know, that was, that was, that was scary. It was scary until it wasn't. You're right. I was really impressed with Cleveland, but just to skip to the end real quick, like, at some point, just during a single game, but also just during a season, trying to make a run to the Super Bowl, playing against elite teams like Kansas City, you're going to have to trust your quarterback. And they tried to do it with Baker Mayfield. They did everything perfect and then got to the last drive and go, okay, we're just Baker Mayfield's going to have to go out and win this game for us. And uh, what did he do? He got pressured a little bit, was moving around in the pocket, you know. I was just surprised he can't really throw on the run. Like they all were coming out of his hand wobbly. Yeah. He threw that one right into the feet of Njoku. And then that interception, I don't even know if he was looking where he threw the ball. He just kind of whipped it toward four guys and it got and he picked didn't off. Have to. He didn't have to. It was first. He didn't down. have to. Like, no. That was so dumb. Like I'm not trying to, you know, obviously NFL quarterback, but that was such a bad throw. And it's just, it's classic Cleveland. Like, they're good now. So instead of being awful for a whole season and every game of every season, they're going to be an elite team for three and a half quarters of a game. And in the last eight minutes, are they going to be good enough from a coaching standpoint, a quarterback standpoint, just as an organization, are they going to be able to win games against good teams in the last you know five to eight minutes when they need to? And if it's against Mahomes, uh, clearly no, because you're right. Like, the Browns should have won that game. They had the chip on their shoulder. They came out and they were super bold. I mean, they went for it on fourth down on the first drive and they went for two and they went up eight to nothing. So, you know, they were trying to punch them in the mouth. They were throwing the haymakers and you're right. Kansas City didn't do anything. Kansas City stepped back and said, we're the best roster. And, you know, we believe we're the best roster in football. We have the best player in football and we're just going to try to make sure we had the game in his hands if the game is in his hands we're going to be fine and if you're cleveland like yeah like at what point do you just can is it possible for them to be a successful team because they were a trendy super bowl pick for some guys coming out of the afc especially with with all the improvements that they've made on defense are they going to be able to stick to the like you said stick to the game plan is pounding the ball down teams throats at the end of the game is going to work or is it just is it going to have to be what happened? Is Baker Mayfield going to have to get better and not make just honestly not make stupid plays at the end of the game like he did? Can he can he be not necessarily an elite quarterback? And he but can he be a clutch quarterback when he has to? That's the question mark with Baker Mayfield at this point. Yeah, I felt like this was a little bit like back in the day when we played the Patriots and they beat us. You know, not nearly as the big as the stage, but I think it was experience and talent versus talent. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the thing is, is, you know, the Browns came out, they were the bold, they were, you know, trending stuff. But I think at the end of the day, the Chiefs, you know, with Tate, we've taken those L's. I mean, Reed has gone through, you know, so much crap. If you think about his whole career, you know, making it to the Super Bowl, losing it. I mean, he, he, he's seen, He's taken so many L's and, you know, this game experience just came on and 
the Browns didn't stick to what there was good. You know, they didn't stick to their running. And I think this is just one of those lessons they're going to have to learn. And I think, you know, just like any other team in any sport, and especially up and coming teams, you have to take a couple L's to eventually win the ultimate goal. Because, you know, unless you're like something crazy, like, you know, some crazy, you know, Leicester City in soccer or something wild. You know, usually it takes year by year building upon your losses and learning lessons to eventually, you know, push over those top teams. And right now the Chiefs are the top team. We've taken our L's very publicly, you know, in Mahomes in his short career and read over his long career. And this was just a game where experience kicked in. And, you know, when we had that huge pass to Hill, I mean, that was crazy. Mahomes on the you know, bat, uh, run on the run somehow gets it to Hill, seventy-five yard touchdown. I mean, that was crazy. So obviously, you know, the Chiefs were more talented, but you know, they just didn't panic. They just kept doing what they were going to do. You know, Mahomes, of course, wanted to go on fourth down, but Reed, being the veteran coach, reined him in. And he's like, "No, we're not doing that. You know, we're going to take the three, and you know, we won the game." So, you know, the result came up. Reed K got it done. And uh, it was it was definitely it was definitely a good game. It was it was a great game to watch. Um, it's going to be. Um, oh, my goodness. There was I know a, real, a couple of Browns fans. So this next week is going to be fun. But yeah, it was it was definitely I mean, they they didn't that also fumbled punt. You know, we had some lucky things go our way. For some reason, our defense decides to only play good when we in the second half after giving up points. You know, I don't, I don't get how that works, but. You know, we made turnovers, we made plays, and we came up big at home. And, you know, obviously I want that to never happen again, but, you know, you got to take what you got to take, I guess. We saw a little bit from of this from you guys last season. I'm thinking really, like, specifically of the Atlanta game, but are you yeah. just ready emotionally as a fan to just spot the other team 10 to 14 points at some point during the game? Because, oh I mean, it seems like you guys are just going to hit full LeBron James mode and just do your best to, you know, coast, but barely do enough to try to pull these games out. And let's just get to the playoffs and let Patrick Mahomes work. Like, are you emotionally ready to go through that experience as a fan where, you know, like, you know, you have the best team in the AFC. You have the best player in football. Like, you're going to be the favorite in every game. You should be most confident fans in sports. You have Patrick Mahomes, but... I can already tell at some point in these games, you guys are going to be down 10 points, 14 points. And then in the second half, you're going to make the comeback. And every week's just going to be a big sigh of relief. Are you going to, are you, are you going to be ready for that? It's just so annoying that we have to just give the other team points every time. It's like, you know what? You know, every time the defense is like, dude, first half, they just take the first quarter off almost every time. It's so annoying, you know, and then Mahomes has to pull something out of thin air. You know, and it's just crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, it's one. It's like, like you mentioned, I think LeBron is the perfect example with the Cavs or something like that, you know, and, you know, they obviously Chiefs have some other pieces, but, you know, he, he, he may, you know, and people are like, what? He hasn't won a MVP since 2013 kind of thing because he's carried all these teams. And I think the same thing with Mahomes. I don't think he's going to win the MVP. Um, He might, he probably should, but if Kyler keeps up or something like along those lines, I think people are just, Sick and tired of hearing Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes. And, you know, at some point, the hero turns the villain, especially when you keep winning. So, um, but um, back to your Colts, 
Um, what did what did you see? Any glimmers of hope? Anything anything hopeful? Jonathan Taylor looks good, and Jacoby Brissett looks good. Oh, but he's oh, not on our oh, team oh, anymore. Oh, he's uh, the yeah. backup on the Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> and somehow from we got a quarterback from like an awful team last year and we got the worst one and we had to give up a first round pick to do it. Like how did we let the Eagles keep Jalen hurts? I mean, not that they were going to trade him, but if we were going to make a trade for an Eagles quarterback, we couldn't get that guy. We had to get the guy who'd been injured and washed for, you know, three full seasons after almost being the MVP. But I mean the year, even the year, his best year when he almost won the MVP, like he ended the season getting hurt. So one of the two of the things Carson Wentz is going to do is either get hurt or just take, you know, suck to be honest. Like if that's what we're, if we're just going to be brutally honest about it. I mean, I'm not surprised. Everything in the off season for them was a disaster. Carson Wentz was missing tons of time with COVID. He had the foot surgery, you know, the, the injury range on his, his recovery was five to 12 weeks. So like, should he even be playing right now? You know, should he be out till like week eight? Like who even knows, but I don't know. It's just, uh, it's going to be a rough season. They, they had two, you know, 15 play drives and got three points combined from both of them. Like this offense is going to do, have to do so much to get, you know, very little in return. Um, it's, uh, it's not going to, it's not going to be fun. I, I'm not, I'm not ready to root for Carson Wentz. I'm not excited about it. Like, it's just going to be a lot of, a lot of average games. A lot of average games. Yeah, no, I, I feel rough for y'all because now, you know, you have Wentz with some injury issues, Nelson out, and then T.Y. Hilton continues with his injury issues as well. Um, you have Ellinger also on ER, so you might need to – you only got Easton as the backup now, Easton action. Um, and, I, I, I mean, Wilson kind of cooked y'all. You know, Lockett had a great first touchdown awareness, but he also had separation on that guy. I mean – it definitely seemed like your secondary was getting picked on a lot. Um, also, you know, the Seahawks had almost twice as many yards per play on their pass. Uh, they just kept going deep. And the weirdest part is, you know, if you looked at the stats, the Seahawks actually, you know, it didn't seem like they, they weren't necessarily playing better. Like they ran almost 20 less plays. Um, they had less uh, time of possession. You know, they had more. They had... Um, I can't even read my own handwriting right now, um, but but they did. They just, beat the Colts in almost every stat. Like the Colts beat them in almost every stat. Yeah, exactly. they ran more plays. They had more yards, more time possession. But that's just because their offense is. It's not incompetent, but it's just. Uh, I don't even know the right word. I don't even know the right way to put it. But it's just it needs to do so much to just get little gains every time. Mm-hmm. You know, methodically work the way down the field like. It's it's like a real touchdown or bust type of team because they're going to use up so much time on these drives. Like they can't kick field goals. If they kick field goals, they're not going to have time to make up for giving up touchdowns on the other end. Like in Seattle, yeah, was just killing them on big plays. Like the secondary was the question, was the biggest question mark on defense, you know, this offseason. They chose to add a pass rusher in the first round instead of taking a defensive back, which you know, if we go to the draft, like maybe that was the right move. I do really like Quiddy Pay. He played well in the preseason. And I yeah, think he'll, no, he he'll good. help them this year. But the secondary was the biggest question, and they didn't really address it, and it got killed. So you know, the two, the t- it's good. It's good that we confirmed that the 
what we thought were the weaknesses on this team actually are the weaknesses on this team. And, um, you know, it's just a bummer that they have like enough, they have good pieces and enough spots where if they, you know, had a competent quarterback and maybe brought in like one piece in the secondary, this team, I don't know if it'd be a Super Bowl team, but it'd definitely be like a high end playoff team. That's for sure. But this was the move they made. They built this team and Carson once was the guy they decided to go out and get, you know, could they have had Garoppolo? I don't know. Garoppolo oh. looked way better than Carson Wentz to me today. I've been wanting Garoppolo for a long time. I don't know if he would have been, you know, the end all be all fix it, but I just can't believe that you would build this team with the hopes of a Super Bowl in mind and honestly do just like a really good job of drafting and bringing in players in the right spots and like really in important spots in the team too, you know, Darius Leonard at linebacker, they fixed the offensive line. They bring in DeForest Buckner, you know, defensive tackle. Like, who really thinks, you know, to prioritize defensive tackle? Like, just as a fan, it's not the first thing that I think of. But they did that, and he's been awesome for them. And then you just think that Carson Wentz is going to be the quarterback to lead this team into the playoffs. It's just – it's not going to ha- – it's honestly just not going to happen. Like, he does – he looks good at times. I can see why you would buy into him, but, you know, he's – all the all the Carson Wentz stuff, we got the full experience. You know, he's holds the ball too long. He's not going to finish drives off with touchdowns. Um, it's I don't know. I'm I'm in a bad place with it. Yeah. I don't really know where what to think. I don't I don't know what the silver lining is. Like, can you give me the silver lining for the Carson Wentz experience? Because it's been going on for a long time now, and now I have to deal with it personally. And I don't know if I can find it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he develop gets back to scrambling. I mean. He's had injury issues, so that might push him off of doing any more scrambling. Um, hopefully, Pittman, you know, can continue to develop. Get maybe get Pascal some. Pascal look good. Yeah, Pascal. Yeah, Campbell. You know, you, you look like you have pieces. Um, and then what I couldn't read was that the Seahawks had five more penalties, so they were giving up yards there too. Um, but yeah, no. I and on the- certain drives, like he does look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I. I will try to see the good in him because he's my quarterback. So, you know, I'm going to accentuate the good things that he does on certain drives. He does make some passes where you're like, okay, I get it. Like, is he a transcendent talent? No. Could he be an above average quarterback? Yeah. With some of the passes he throws, he, he definitely could be, but it's just, it's never there consistently. It's drive by drive. And Mm. I don't know. He just doesn't, he doesn't really see football in a way that I like in a quarterback. It's just, he's trying to do too much. He's, uh, I don't know how smart he is. All the stuff that was coming out over training camp was this guy's probably like a questionable teammate. You know, there's really nothing about his work ethic there. Um, It was just mostly him dealing with COVID and the vaccination issues and his injury, which, you know, if that's all you're hearing in the off season, uh, probably not a good spot to be in, especially after trying to get a guy to bounce back. Yeah. So um, I'm definitely, definitely keeping my eye open in the draft class because, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, they potentially get to keep their first round pick, which would be, you know, it'd be nice to have yeah, you're that. you're going to get three especially of them. With this. Yeah, maybe, you know, especially with this roster. But, I mean, we'll see. Maybe with how bad the Titans are, they have a shot to win the division. Maybe. But I, I highly doubt it. Or maybe it's the Eagles who have three first rounds. I can't remember. But. Anyway, um, you know, this is this isn't first take, but we can't not talk about the Cowboys, you know, because they had a thrilling first game of the season. That was actually a really good season game to start off the season with against the Bucks. 
Um, the Bucks actually kind of look kind of bad this game. I'm not gonna lie. Four turnovers. Um, Gronk. I mean, probably had his stock the best. Um, put up the best. You know, looked the best in terms of what we thought. Antonio Brown. You know, people kind of forget he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver once in a while. You know, he is really good. But you know, Brady did have two interceptions. He also had four touchdowns. Um, I mean, I guess this is kind of what you're getting with the Bucks is, you know, a whole lot of, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of explosive plays, whether, you know, explosive, maybe hurting them or the other team, you know. So the Cowboys, if if Elliot, you know, do you think Zeke will show up at all this season? Are you out on Zeke? That's my question, because I kind of am. I kind of am, but also I need to make a move for a guy in fantasy. So I might. I don't know. I'm going to have to dig into it and see if Zeke's the guy I want to try to target in the trade market this uh, this week because, yeah, he didn't look good, but he had a couple of times where he got the ball and he was running and he, like, cut back and hit a hole. And I was like, okay, like, I think he can still see the holes and stuff. He still knows where to go, but maybe he's lost a little bit of his explosiveness because, like, on those same plays I just mentioned, like, he got tackled after, like, four years. Exactly. So it was like, okay, yeah. maybe – Maybe back in the day, he turns this into, you know, 15, 20, and now it's a four-yard game. But so, you know, I still think his vision still there as a runner, but I don't know if physically he's going to do it. And it was clear that the passing game was, like, working. So, you know, why not just commit all into that um, Dak's back? So just get Dak back to playing, you know, a high level of football again. Um, it's, it was very clear after that game that the Bucks have the best top-to-bottom roster in the league. And uh, – Brady, like, I don't know if Brady looks better than he did last season because I still, I still nah, have he like does. he definitely little, does. Uh, I still have like a little smidge of, uh, I just don't know if he's a hundred percent there with his receivers yet. I think last year he was like 85 percent there. This year he's like 95 percent there. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's clear to it's obvious that the receiver he has the most connection with is Gronk. I mean, that goes without saying he's played with Gronk the longest and, you know, the bucks have done a work wife good enough job of scheming the offense around him where he doesn't have to throw like laser passes over the middle anymore. He's not like throwing into tight windows windows. Like all the deep stuff is just touched up over the top, like dropping it over the quarterback and let the receiver make a play. And then everything else is timing to Gronk. So I like I actually really like the positions they're putting Brady in. Um, this is not an anti-Brady thing. I'm just thinking a little bit after watching the game, but they do have the best top to bottom roster in the league. Their defense is, you know, it's awesome again. They added that uh defensive lineman from Washington in the draft. He looks good. He's gonna help them out. But the Cowboys were able to go, you know, they hung with them, which yeah. is better than I thought they were gonna do going into the season. I thought Washington was gonna win the division. I mentioned that uh division winners parlay that had Cleveland in it. Washington is in it trying to win their division. And uh, I think the Dallas defense surprised me a little bit. Like, I don't think they're good, but are they good enough? Like just in general for them being a playoff team, you know, division winning team. Yeah, I think so. Probably, especially with Washington now dealing with injuries. Like, you know, who knows what that team looks like in two or three weeks. So I was impressed by the Cowboys more so than I thought I would be. Their offense is insane. And yeah. uh, their defense to me looked, if it's league average, that's probably better than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Yeah, no, the Cowboys defense was pretty rough this game. Um, I know I did bet a little bit of the Bucks earlier, but 
Um, I definitely think Brady is definitely hitting those deep passes a lot better. Um, I just thought it was a little worrying. And I mean, it's a Bucks thing. Then you know, just like last season, you know, they they have a whole bunch of turnovers. You know, they tend to go through all the, all over the field, but they somehow win. Um, and I, I think if not for a Godwin push off, you know, maybe the Cowboys win this game. Um, Amari Cooper and CD Lamb both look great. Um, I mean, they're a Cooper with 139 yards, two touchdowns, CD Lamb with 104 and a touchdown. I mean, it, they were both on fire. Um, Dak looked a lot better than I thought he was going to. I think that's that's the main thing that I'm taking away from this game is, you know, Dak's still top five quarterback. I mean, even with the leg, um, I mean, 403 yards, three touchdowns. He had one pick. Um, but that was, I mean, that was a really good game by him. He's finding his wide receivers, even with that tough defense. And he almost won this. And that's, I mean, that's crazy. The Cowboys, you know, they were out here struggling with, um, struggling to make it even in, couldn't make it to the playoffs, you know, and yeah, Dak got hurt. And there was that Browns game where I was like, oh, you know, the Cowboys is going to be great. And he got hurt. So who knows, maybe, maybe Dak has been just developing. It's just because of how he got hurt last season, you know, people underrated them. But they went toe-to-toe with the Super Bowl champions, who were by far the Super Bowl champions, and the champions brought everyone back. So, you know, it, this was a really a pretty much like a statement game, you know, national TV, first game, everyone and their grandmas watching it, and, and, and they almost won. So I definitely am excited to see where the Cowboys go, and um, I definitely, even, even with the loss, I still think it was a win in the long run for them. And just to go back to Zeke for like a quick second, like Tampa's linebackers are like so good. You know, they're just, they somehow know like where every run plays going, like they're in the gap almost right away. So, I mean, that's a tough matchup. Vita Vea too in the front, like it's a tough matchup to see, uh, to start the season with for Zeke. But uh, I, d- I don't know, my fantasy team's looking kind of rough. So I need to get another star running back. And I think, I'm thinking about trying to get Zeke while his value is a little bit lower after this game, but that could, that could come back to bite me. Cause like I said, like his explosiveness might not be there as much, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I came I away from this thinking, to... yeah, Tampa's probably still the favorite to win. This game. I had someone trying to trade me Mike Evans for Miles Sanders right after this game. And I was like, you're out on him after one game. Good try, but no, yeah. <laughs> um, the only other game I saw that was kind of interesting. Do you have like, Miles Sanders? Yeah, I've, I picked up Miles Sanders. I definitely, I, 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 I don't know. We'll see. Maybe if Jalen Hurts, you know, doesn't go so well, you know, stuff happens. Who knows? They'll, they'll just run the ball all the time. I haven't looked at the points yet, so I don't know how he did um, his personal stats. But um, the only other game that I thought was kind of interesting was Chargers against Washington. Um, would you take Heineke over Wentz? I mean, that's, that's a yikes. Maybe. To think about it. I mean, that's Heineke was in the playoffs last year, so <laughs> he's thrown more playoff passes in his career than Carson Wentz has. I did think about it. I mean, this obviously space for a second, just to think about it. That alone would made me depressed. I honestly, I don't know. I think it, that's a sad thought. You just broke my yeah. brain. That's sad. It was, I mean, they I gave up look. a first round pick for him and Heineke cost like $2 million. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and he looked he looked decent this game too. I mean, they were 
you know, he looked okay. Um, had 122 yards. Herbert, you know, Herbert's going to continue to develop. Nothing crazy there, you know, 337, one touchdown, one interception. Washington defense looked like it kept going, you know, kept putting pressure on Herbert. But, you know, the Washington didn't have enough talent in terms of Gibson had that fumble, you know, and they might have won if he hadn't. But, um, but yeah, no, that was that was a thought that came to my head because I think Taylor Heineke is a good stopgap, you know, in terms of I think he's kind of his ceiling is kind of Teddy Bridgewater-ish. You know, that's that's as high as he's probably going to get. And, um, you know, but it might be a good ceiling. Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good. Exactly. Beat the Giants, you know, got it, got it done. So, and I mean, the Broncos, all they needed was a decent quarterback and who knows how far they can take off. So, um, yeah, no, the, the prop bet that, um, I heard in the podcast of all of the NFC West and AFC West making the playoffs is still on, um, waiting on the Raiders game, but so far every, every, each of those teams has won. So we're going to, we're going to have to see, it'll, it'll be, it'll be crazy if, if all both of those divisions all make it to the playoffs. Is it, is it possible for uh, now for a division to have four teams in? Yeah. With the extra wild card play team. Yep. But like with the math and the way they all have to play each other and stuff and their schedules, like, is it mathematically possible for a division to get four teams in? Cause I mean, the I mean, NFC West could weird. definitely do it. Yeah, it sounds weird, but I think we would already have the article up of actually, you know, if it wasn't, but I think it is, especially if other teams are underperforming. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, let's say, let's say Tampa's definitely the number one. I mean, they are. They're definitely the number one team in the NFC. They're still the team to beat. Like, is the NFC West the next? four best teams, you know, Rams, Niners, Cardinals, week, Seahawks. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the, I mean, the Cowboys would be the only other team. Cause who else? Everybody else there. in the, yeah, the Cowboys would, do we, do we put the saints in there at all after that? Or do we still need to see it with Winston a little bit more? I think that was a fluke. I really think that was a fluke, but we'll see. I mean, how is the, how did it's a fluke? Cause Winston didn't throw a pick. Like you're telling me Winston, Winston's not going to like, be that good you know again. he did throw a pick but it got overturned with exactly uh, yeah the it did yeah. get overturned yeah it was a it was a penalty he no, did his part but he definitely did his part yeah yeah <laughs> but i don't think he's like a 550 touchdowns and 50 but no i don't think I don't, I don't know we'll have to see i mean i definitely think the nfc west is definitely stronger than the afc west um we'll see how the raiders play tonight but the NFC, I could definitely see the NFC West all making the playoffs because that's, I mean, if the Cardinals are good, yikes. Because it would be weird for a top five team in the conference not to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, what would that, that would just be like in the NBA, like what if like the Miami Heat was just like, yeah, you're like the fifth seed, but I mean, you just can't be in the playoffs. We're sorry. Or like the I mean, Denver Nuggets or something. Teams are in there, yeah. Like that Honestly. would that would be that'd be crazy. But who's on your yeah. fantasy team? You need to read me your fantasy lineup, and I'll well, read you I got mine. Like I got like three teams. Um, what's your main team? But main team? I, I don't know because it's been only the first week, so I haven't really. Um, let me see here. Let me let him load up real quick. 
Um, well, 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 what about yours? Let's hear, let's hear yours while I get mine up here. Yeah. So I'm in a 12 man league. This is the biggest league I've ever been in. I usually do 10 man, but it's a work league. So we had enough people were doing a 12 man league. Oh, all right. So I got Baker Mayfield at quarterback. I may have to move. I may have to move on from him just because. Yeah, he had 300 yards, but he also had no touchdowns and he had a pick. So, you know, we're talking about a 13 point fantasy week. It's not that impressive. Um, I had Saquon. I took him in the second round of the draft. He fell to me. I had the, the 18th pick and I took him there, but I ended up trading him. So my running backs right now, as it stands, are Clyde Edwards, Alaire and Damian Harris. And then my receivers, I have both Vikings receivers. I have Thielen and Jefferson. Uh, I took him seventh overall. Figured I'd have the most most valuable player in fantasy. Easily the best player at his position. Probably going to get 300 fantasy points this year. Probably going to do it pretty easily. Uh, Jerry Judy in my flex. Going to have to fix that. Jerry Judy went down with a pretty nasty looking injury. Uh, hope he's going to be okay. But I got a couple of bench options. I think I can move up. And then... The last guy I had in my flex is a two. It's a two flex league, by the way. But oh, the last okay. guy I had in my flex, Brandon Ayuk, who, mm. uh, according to my according to my research, told me he was going to be good. He was going to be San Francisco's uh, wide receiver one. You know, going to going to be the wide receiver one, but also going to be the guy they used in like a bunch of gadget plays in that type of role. Didn't do anything. Zero targets. Zero receptions. Zero yards. Uh, Debo Samuel looked like one of the best receivers in the league. So whiffed on that one, picked the wrong 49ers receiver. That's a bummer, but it's not so, a bad team. It's not yeah. great. Now nah, my best team, um, w- which we dominated because I had Kyler Murray and McCaffrey. So that's our great. Mm. Uh, Jacob still plays tonight. Um, Ridley had a decent game, 51 yards. T Higgins. He put up some stats. I had him starting. Um, Juju was my flex. Um, Waller, who also hasn't played tonight, was my tight end. And then my defense was Pittsburgh. You know, they got uh, they got that touchdown, you know, really took that game. And your boy, Rodrigo Blankenship at my kicker. I was like, what the heck? I like him. He's a cool guy. Um, of course, one of my other teams got blown out because I started Rodgers, who had literally 1.32 points. And then my last team also got lost because um apparent because i started i guess michael thomas for some reason you know i don't know I can't. oh not paying attention huh <laughs> he got me also i was starting elliot and javante williams so let's just say uh, um gm gm kimani over here is gonna have to put in some work we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do some do check some waiver wires for sure but yeah no my best team we got kyler so we're i, I guess i already have one championship in the bag so <laughs> The league I'm in got screwed like earlier this offseason because uh, we did the draft like before even any preseason games. We did it really early. And then oh, yeah, we basically had the whole we had the whole preseason to like fake trades and just, you know, talk about our teams and try to see who we could get. So somebody eventually traded like Darren Waller and Cooper Cup and like another really good player to one of the other guys in the league for a couple of guys on his bench and then a pair of shoes. He bought him a pair of shoes. Wow. Never heard to that. Me, that's before. not okay. I think if you're trading fantasy, just, you know what? Just keep it to fantasy. 
trade football players. So now this guy's got like a stack team. He's got like Allen Robinson, AJ Brown, Alvin oh, Kamara, Darren wow. Waller, James Robinson. It didn't, it didn't perform well this week, but still, yeah. And, and, you know, Andy has to buy a guy a pair of shoes, but Yikes. it didn't perform well this week, but it's still the team I think is the best team in our league. But just a quick PSA to fantasy players out there. Just, just play fantasy football. Don't start bringing in these side bets and weird trades. It's like, it's like at the end of the season when teams start trading their good players to the good teams to like stack it to beat one guy. Like, just play the game right. Keep your oh team. People do make that? good trades. Work the waiver wire. Make sure you've done your research before you did the draft. You know, make sure you're setting your lineup every week. Just play fantasy football. You don't don't bring in all these other outside forces into it. That's not how it works. We're trying to we're trying to play real fake football here. Like, if you're gonna trade, make a legit trade. People stack teams. I didn't know that. That's bogus. I haven't had that. I yeah, that's happened. Stranger, so that's happened a couple years. Some guy's team will be like awful, and then right before the playoffs, he'll trade his good players away to his buddy, so his buddy can win the championship. <laughs> uh, it's such a dirty move. Oh my gosh! How much? How? What is the most expensive thing you would give someone for a really good player to win? Like if they offered somebody like twenty bucks, and then like was like as like a joke for who? But I would. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. So, oh. I mean, it was just to get my boy, but <laughs> you know, I, I traded Saquon for Justin Jefferson. So like, you know, if I'm making a trade in fantasy, I want it to be like a real trade. Wow. And I got that, DJ you Moore. really won that trade last year. Yeah, and I got DJ Moore back. Oh, wow. Was that last year? Trade. That was this year. Oh, it was this year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I play with strangers, so I almost never do any trade. I don't think I've done any. I think I've done one or two trades, but, like, it's very rare. I almost never went off of trades. It's usually waiver wires, you know, watching Matthew Barry in the middle of week seven and catching someone napping to get easy wins. That's the main thing, you know, changing out, guys. So um, I'll usually, like, check my roster on Monday and Friday, make sure it's all set and stuff. And, and then, like, that's pretty much it. Leave it there. I remember I did basketball one year, and I just set the lineup for the whole season. That's I what I do, yeah. And I was, I just let it there. I think I had – I can't remember who I had. I, I think I had, like, Curry and, like, Green and something like that. It was, it was something. It was okay. But, yeah, no, football – I definitely like football fantasy more than basketball because it's just too many games. Like, I love the NBA season. Yeah, it's – it's much. definitely easier. It makes a little more sense to fantasy basketball. The first time I played it, I had a bunch of guys that could score a bunch, but like had poor shooting percentages and didn't really get like rebounds and assists. So like, at like the end Zach of the day, Levine and Booker. Or <laughs> I did. I had Zach Levine. This was like a couple years ago. No, I had dude. Zach Levine. I had Russell Westbrook. I had like, oh, yikes. A couple other guys. And I was the first time I ever played. I didn't really know how the scoring works. So I just had a bunch of scores and uh, you need to have like, guys that have efficiency like they have good field goal percentages they get rebounds assists you know good three-point percentages all that's just all across the board so Mm -hmm. it's a little more confusing fantasy football makes more sense and yeah it's hard to play fantasy for like you know however long the nba season is and it's not just once a week like you have to make sure your lineup is good like three to four times a week because that's how much teams are playing 
like it's a real commitment, but it's fun. I might, I might get back into it and try to play it again this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fantasy football still definitely is the superior fantasy sport. Definitely. That's not even debatable, I think. So now that we're on NBA, news just came out about the Ben Simmons trade. So, you know, <laughs> I wasn't planning on talking about it, but a couple hours ago, sources say that an unknown couple hours ago team has done given a trade offer for Ben Simmons. Now, I'm not trying to hype anyone out, but you know, Sacramento or your boys, the Spurs might have thrown a trade their way. We'll have to see, but have you made what's what's the best trade package you guys can give for Ben Simmons that you would do like you think they'd actually do? Because I know you've been thinking about this. I think it is because I'm also the guy that's like, yeah, I want Ben Simmons, but, you know, do I really want to give up Kelton Johnson too? Like, I'm going to be that guy. Um, I think it would have, I think Johnson would have to be in it probably like two or three years worth of first round picks. And then um, I don't know what they Murray? have to give up DeJounte. Like, like, I mean, they could throw him in, but do the Sixers even want him? Like, how would he help the Sixers this year? What does he really do that? They probably uh, want Derek White. What does one. he bring to the table? I don't know. Even like Derek White, like maybe, but like, is he like the third or fourth guard in a team? Like he's not better than Seth Curry is. Is he as good of a shooter as Moss? Like, is he the guy that you, I just don't, I don't know how anybody on the Spurs really helps the Sixers, which I think is going to be ultimately why they are not going to get him. But I mean, Primo, yeah. like, do they throw Primo in there? Oh, that, how many picks really, do they have to give really up? Like, the picks things. are going to be good. They have the worst roster in the league. Maybe the youngest player in the draft. That guy's got so much upside. I mean, I, I think Clendon Johnson is probably your best hope. You know, USA basketball. The Sixers guy, like you. National team. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't think they'll get him because I just. The Sixers are just going to look at their roster and go, yeah, there's nothing on here that helps us win now, and they need to make a win now trade for Ben Simmons. That's what's going to ultimately hurt them. But, I mean, it'll be fun to think about. I would love to have Ben Simmons on the Spurs. Honestly, like, I genuinely, honestly, 100% would be all in. Yeah, that guy has his ups and downs, but he's still so talented. He is one of the best defenders in the league. And even on offense, like, if he's not if he's not just being put in the corner and he has the ball in his hands and he's playmaking, like he can still dictate, you know, what the offense is doing, the pace that the whole game is played. Mm-hmm. Like he can really be one of the, you know, he can be one of the most in control players in the NBA when he's at his best. And if San Antonio had that, at least that's something to work with that, you know, they don't really have any guy with that kind of upside on their roster. So I don't know, turn him into like point guard Tim Duncan. Like, what do you think Pop could do with him? Pop might just lock the gym and be like, you're not coming out until you <laughs> take a hundred threes every game or every night, like something like that. Just, just make him put up shots. I mean, having a oh, yeah, little Rapunzel situation, <laughs> What's just up? lock him in the tower with the hoop and go, you're just going to shoot here until your hair grows out and you learn how to make threes. But I think having a strong coach is probably what he needs. I mean, then again, doc is a strong coach as well, but you know, maybe a different voice. Who knows? But, you know, report is out there, Dark Horse team. I think Maury's just waiting until Dame says, hey, uh, I need more than just throwing lobs to Larry Nance and something else and decides to leave. 
you know, I like Norman Powell as much as the next guy, but you know, that ain't it. It's it. I'm just, well, I think Dame, honestly, like, I think he knows he can go to Philly and I honestly just don't, I think he's just doesn't want to be the bad guy. You know, he doesn't want to have that storyline. He likes being the, you know, favorite son of the city. I think he takes that seriously. And I think he really wants to stay in Portland, but you know, he's just caught between a rock and a hard place because with, you know, now West, you know, is loaded, you know, and the East, you know, it's still strong, but they're definitely not as deep as the West. You know, it's just, I don't think, I don't think, I I think it's time for Dame to go. I have a Trails Blazers fan who keeps, he loves Dame more than the team and he just keeps holding on to him being there. And I'm like, bro, it's, it's time for Dame to leave. I I think it's time for him to go, but, and that'll be the place he'll probably go. It's, that's going to be a tough decision for Dame to make because I think a lot of, a lot of what Dame does is, I mean, he probably thinks he's better than Curry, but I think he knows from a public perspective that Curry is the better player. So if he's trying to chase him as the best point guard in the league, like part of Curry's draw is that he has been on the Warriors the whole time. And that team is his, that city is his, really that whole franchise, to be honest, like he's probably the most impactful player in franchise history. And if Portland stays in Dame, like, Maybe, but you know, no, 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 no. It's I, definitely Curry. It's definitely probably Curry. not. No, I'm it's definitely Curry. You know, Dame has a chance to do that in Portland. If even if he never brings a title, like, I mean, there are a couple. You know, like, you know, he's going to have a more full career than like Bill Walton had. He's probably a better player than Clyde Drexler was. Like, mm-hmm. he has a chance to be that the guy for that city, that franchise, and I just, you know. If he's going to switch and hop, you know, jump on the ship with Joel Embiid in Philly and try to team up and win a title, like, I think that would be a tough move for him from just a perception move to do. And he's he's going to have to calculate it. These NBA guys are very calculated. They know what they're doing. They know what chess pieces they're playing. And I don't know. He's going to have to figure out what move is going to be best for him. Is Does he want to win the title or does he want to, like, own the city and the franchise and be there for, you know, 15 16, 17 years. Like it's going to be up to him. I mean, we'll have to see. I think the Suns are a very good comparative team to talk about, you know, players who haven't won, but were very impactful to their team, you know, like Charles Barkley, Steve Nash, things like that. But it's a title. You need a title, you know, and like with Dallas, with Dirk, you know, that title really is what set him apart in terms of, you know, team legends, things like that. And, I think with Dame, you know, it'll be similar to Charles Barkley where he made the final, you know, he made the conference finals. I guess Barkley actually made the finals, but, you know, and he ran into a buzzsaw. I mean, Barkley actually, you know, that's it. You know, they could argue that there was a chance for the Suns to win. There was no chance for the Trailblazers to make the playoffs. I mean, this, the finals. So, you know, and I think though with its moves they're making right now in the offseason, it's up to Dame. He has at most three years left on in terms of being one of the best in the league. And it's up to him. If he wants to use those last three, four years to, you know, keep grinding away and putting up 50 point games and losing in the second round and, you know, a small market like that, then, you know, that's his, that's going to be his choice. But I think he's going to realize that, you know, while the city may love him, you know, people looking back at his career may be like, yeah, he was a good player, but he never won anything. You know, he hasn't won an MVP up there, you know, not necessarily any wars per se. So 
you know, and he, he was really good. He's one of the best players, but you know, he'll he'll get lost in the sands of time because he just never won anything. And you know, it'll be sad to see. You know, Trailblazers people will always remember him, but you know, I I think he definitely you know similar to the Harden thing. You know, they may all hate you and things like that, but you know, at some point you got to win something, man. You you got to win something because it's hey, the question isn't money and things like that. And for him, his legacy, he'd rather be. As of right now, his legacy is he rather, you know, be part of the city instead of part of, you know, winning a championship. But we'll see if that changed because it did look like it changed earlier in this uh, see earlier in this offseason. So we'll have to see. And he can't completely flips. He can't go to Philly and like claim that city for himself. That city's already been taken. That city belongs to Joel Embiid. That's his team. Those are his people. Like they rally around him. He will be joining Joel Embiid if he goes Mm. there. Like, He's not going to walk into Philly and be like, all right, I'm here to bring you guys a title. I mean, he will, but yeah, ultimately that's Joel Embiid's team. So like, do you think Dame has a better shot of going there or Bradley Beal? Definitely. I think, I think they want Dame. I, I think they want Dame, but yeah, if they get to the trade deadline and Washington soon, they're like, we will, we will give you Beal. If you give us Simmons and, you know, maybe Beal for Simmons, like who knows if that's enough. Maybe they have throw in like, one and a half more things mm-hmm. and just you know send washington on their way like beal I'm, beal to me makes sense with them beat it's it would be a good trade it'd probably be one of the best players that they could just get back for yeah. ben simmons in general and uh i just he to me seems more likely to leave washington like i think he likes it there but i don't know if he's as connected to that city as if dame is to portland like if if player empowerment gets dame like that's full blown because it's never going to get Curry. Curry's going to be in Golden State for yeah, Curry's, Curry's the last gonna, guy. Well, maybe Charlotte. You never know. I really hope Curry goes to Charlotte and oh, him no. with Lamelo, Leangelo. I mean, that's a pipe dream right there. Him is just sitting in the corner in a wheelchair, you know, salt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but He's no, not but gonna I go think, beyond Lamelo's team. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe Lamelo's cool, bro. Like he's chill. Lamelo will pass you the ball, like. It's not like he'll hog it up. The same like Curry, you know, is lovable. I think Washington actually has hope, though. That's the problem. And, you know, he, they hope actually, to what, though? Hey, look, it's Salton. You know, they guys, they still have Westbrook. You know, they have some pieces there or they traded Westbrook, but they have some pieces there. I kind of like that team. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like how they're after trading Westbrook. You know, I haven't done the huge breakdown, but if you look at their roster, in terms of who they have on that team, you know, after that trade, you know, yes, Kuzma, you know, he, you know, I've hated on him for so long, but you know, now he's in a non-winning situation. So it's a lot more freeing. Also still have Berton, um, Thomas, uh, uh, Thomas Bryant on that team as well. And of course my computer doesn't want to load when I'm looking for stuff as normal, but um, they definitely have pieces on that team. I kind of like, um, how gritty they were, and they Denny Advia, they got that first round draft pick. Yeah, Denny Advia too. Yeah, yeah, but they just been they've been bad the past couple seasons, and last year. Did you say KCP? KCP too. Yep, yep, yep. So it definitely seems like they they were um, the last couple seasons. They just been straight up bad, and now with all these additions. You know, maybe they can be, you know, first round team, just something, something, because Beal was there when they were horrible and he seemed like he wanted to be out and then he wasn't. And now there's there's some hope. 
the main thing is the hope, the expectations aren't that high. They, you know, the fans just want to win anything, kind of like the Knicks were last year. And with the Trailblazers, there are expectations. They're bringing in veteran players. They're expecting to win. They don't have they all, and the main thing with the Trailblazers is they almost have no young talent. You know, at least with the Wizards, you can say Adiva. You know, um, uh, Bryant, um, also Kuzma. You can say someone with with the Trailblazers. You have a little bit of Amphrey Simons. I mean, yeah, he won the dunk chant contest when there was like no one competing, and. You know, Nasir Little was actually healthy a little bit last year, but, you know, Carmelo looked rough last year. You know, Robert Covington experiment didn't work at all. Um, you know, Cantor was back and it was it was rough. Um, so, and, you know, Yusuf couldn't stay healthy and, you know, him and all his fouls with the Okich and all that. But with with the with the Trailblazers, it's actually expectations and they're not meeting them. And that's got to I feel like that puts more pressure and it's more frustrating with Dame, and that's why I feel like Dame's more likely to leave than the Wizards, who, you know, if they win anything, you know, get any kind of seed, you know, make the playoffs, that's a win for them. It would just be really sad if Dame left, because that would be just like player empowerment's just, it's just become an empire at that point. Like, he's the last, Curry's going to be unconquerable, like I said, so he's like the last guy that's connected to a city that they can take out. It would just be him going to Philly. I don't know. Washington is just never, ever going to be good. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Bradley Beal, but with that management, like they just, they are, you're always like, I like them this year, like you said, but as like a sneaky, like make the playoffs team, not as to do anything. Like if they get out of the first round of the playoffs, it would be shocking. That'd be crazy. It, it would, it would be shocking, but I don't know. I just, for Dame, at some point, guys, like they're going to, they get into their early 30s, 30, 31, 32, and they just, it happens. They, especially in the NBA, like these guys just start thinking big picture about their careers, their legacy. Like KD did it, you know, Kyrie's doing it. You know, guys, see the cupboard they, is a little empty. Yeah. They just, they know what they need to do to be good to climb the ladder and get up there with the all time greats. And, yeah, I don't know if Dame's going to be able to do it in Portland, but he's going to have to he's going to have to weigh his choices and the pros and cons of do I stay with this franchise for my entire career and become the beloved son of that city or do I try to go chase a ring in Philadelphia like And there's no guarantee that if he goes there he even gets it cuz the Nets are going to be yeah. back and they probably are going to be the best team in the league and is Dame and Joel and Seth Curry going to be enough to you know beat Brooklyn Hey, don't forget Dybul Bible, like you know, I would even with Dame, like I would still have them second at best, maybe third behind Milwaukee, even like they're the reigning champs. So, you know, have to give them their credit where their credits do. But my guess would probably be Beal right now. That's the guy I'm leaning toward. You know, one of these some star next is gonna ask out, like, I don't know why it wouldn't be Beal. Like, yeah, he might be happy there, but they're gonna be awful and you know. He led the league in scoring last year. Like at some point he's going to need to go to a place where people are actually paying attention to him. And if Simmons would be a good get for Beal, I think the wizards would be happy getting Simmons. I think you hit the button and just go full reset mode. Um, You know, KCP, that's a guy you can probably trade off for pieces. Maybe you keep Kuzma there. Maybe you move him for more assets. So I, I would go with Beal. That'd be my guess at this point. I don't know if it'll happen before the season, but. Maybe as we get closer to the trade trade deadline, something like that pops up. 
be my guess. Yeah, no, if they get Beal, I mean, shoot, I mean, I mean, if they get uh, Simmons down in Washington, I mean, I might like their future more than OKC. I mean, it, it, that'd be crazy. I'd, I'd love that team. I mean, definitely help their defense. Um, shoot, I really hope they do trade for Beal. Um, but for me, I mean, the main thing that it comes back down to is, is CJ McCollum stepped out of bounds. And I know it was one play, but he dropped 55. He gave his heart. And so I think that was the best game. That was the best game ever. You know, in terms of offensive explosion, when you look at game score in terms of stats, that was the best playoff game score ever. So, you know, and that's above, you know, Wilt and all those guys and Chamberlain. And I mean, I know I mentioned the same guy twice, but Russell and, you know, Jordan and all those guys, you look at the playoffs in terms of carrying the teams with stats and scoring. That was the best game score in the playoffs ever. And he literally, I think that was his, you know, magnum opus of his career in in um in one game in terms of a series series of course it was i mean um in that other playoff run where they made the western conference finals but in terms of him as a singular player carrying the trailblazers i think that's the best game he's ever gonna play and they lost because his teammate stepped out of bounds and you know Sir CJ, you know, credit to him. You know, he's a solid player. He shows up. He was really hot at the beginning of the season. Looked like he was taking another step. But there's just there's just not enough there. I just think there's not enough there, and it's it's just gonna end like this. I really I really think that that playoff that playoff that run they made to the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors was their best team they ever had. I mean, they had Seth Curry. People forget and. That's that's as far as they're gonna ever gonna go. And I mean, if if Dame can sleep at night with that, I mean, that being his only thing, then I mean, that's up to him. That's on him, his his conscience, and that's on him. But I just think that there's at least a chance for him to go even further. But you know, that's that's his decision, obviously. But we'll see, man. Now you got me thinking Simmons running the point. Now I got to start writing up Wizards starting fives, man. This would be crazy if they trade for Simmons. That that'd be. Oh, I get it. I might buy a jersey. We'll see. But um, do you have any anything anything else you want? And to Portland's in a tough spot where I just say Portland's in a tough spot. Also, where like if they're gonna win the title, they have to keep Dame. But like mm-hmm. CJ is, could he be the number two guy on a title team? Maybe. But also, could he be the asset to bring in the guy to be the number two guy on the title team? Like, I don't know if he's even good enough to be well, not not good enough, but I don't know if he's on that level to even be the asset to bring that guy in. And I don't even know who that guy would be. So their team's just kind of stuck. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, it's definitely definitely a good thing to keep an eye on that. And Simmons, the whole thing with clutch trying to strong arm them, whether and then whether the whole thing with Simmons is if he doesn't play and he just sits out, then they can charged they can find him for every practice and game he misses but if he's injured you know in quotes then they can't do that and that's what ad did down in new orleans where you know he got one of he got something done on his legs something like that and he was injured and so when he sat out you know they couldn't find him so we'll have to see what simmons does in terms of you know if he's going to sit out because it definitely seems like clutch is again clutch strong arming another team and we'll, we'll see if they get there what they want because that's that's going to be that's the main storyline over the whole offseason. Um, but that oh, you had something to say? 
I mean, I was going to keep talking about it, but we even said we weren't going to really do any NBA and uh, <laughs> we just did it for like 20 minutes. But oh, yeah. I don't know who gets to make the call on whether or not he's injured. Like, is that team doctors or does he just have like some, you know, BS surgery in the off? Like before the season starts and they're like, well, recovery time, like he's just going to have to sit. Exactly. Like, like if you bring in a doctor's note, something like that, just say something certain, you know, the doctor's note, huh? Exactly. I mean, how did Kawhi sit out for so long without the team doctors looking at him, you know, kind of thing? You yeah, know? I don't know. I mean, you couldn't find him during those times. And the thing is, yeah, so we'll have to see. I mean, the main thing is way to bring cool. up Kawhi Leonard right at the end. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, man. But the main thing is he brought, he has four years left on his contract. Like, that's four freaking years. Like, he can't just be like, oh, we'll get over this year. It'll be fine. No, that's four years of contract that he's like, no, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be here. And, I mean, at least with AD, he was going to be gone after that year. So, the team could just be like, screw you. We're not, you know, you can't be injured for four years, you know, on like, even though John Wall tried. Um is you know it's you're not going to be out this long so who knows maybe the maybe Mori will just strong arm clutch right back we'll, we'll have to see it'll, it'll be interesting storyline to keep an eye on um but that that should be it for the episode unless you had something else to throw in there um hopefully we'll try to keep the content content up to date up to date busy with a whole bunch of stuff um work is crazy and things like that so um thanks for listening to this week one nfl pod and nba stuff um definitely keep an eye out for uh more content coming out and yeah thanks for listening